Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. A Song of Chaos and Eternal Night, taught by the heavenly muse to venture down the dark descent and up to reascend. Whoa, that's deep. Paradise Lost. Oh, our theme for this week on the imbalanced history of rock and roll. Indeed, one of the darker subjects that we're going to talk about, one that we haven't really breached other than mentioning. We talked about murder with Robert Johnson, kind of like really nasty too, right? Yeah, totally nasty. But we've also talked about passings of musicians, but not in the way that we're talking about it and going into that today because it's a reality. And with the reality rising, we know that over the next five to ten years, we're going to lose almost all of our uh, progenitors of rock and roll as we know it. We've been having this discussion since 2015. You and I and uh, Richard Sisto and I started talking about it right right after Bowie passed away. And the reality is, is that's what we're looking at this stage of the history of rock and roll in the current 21st century. And if you look back at it, it's incredible that so many of them have lasted as long as they have for the Considering life what they did to themselves. Yes. Yes. Seriously. Yeah, think about not... it. I am. And um... <laughs> All right. So... Here we are. It's Paradise Lost. And I want to frame it for you. Episode 31 of The Imbalanced History of Rock and Roll. He's Marcus in the Darkest. He didn't introduce himself. He went straight to the Milton quote. And I'm Ray Koob. And we're brought to you by Crooked Eye Brewery in the heart of Hapro. Since 2014, they've got the cure for what ails you. And we want to talk about this subject. And it's not, like you said, it's not something we talk about often. We're doing our 31st episode plus all the pocket podcasts we do. But 2015 kind of started out as what you would call a relatively normal year of rock and roll loss. And that is prior to the landslide, which we'll talk about. Earlier in the year, March 20th, A.J. Perro from Twisted Sister died way too young. Uh, I think it was a ticker. Yeah, it was and, a ticker. Uh, yeah. He didn't wake up on tour. And then about a month later, a little over a month later, Benny King passes away, uh, one of the greats in uh, rock and pop and soul music. Beautiful voice. Followed a few weeks later by B.B. King, one of the kings of the blues, who was also up there in age. Another month and a half goes by, and Chris Squire from Yes succumbs to his fight with cancer after a long fight. And uh, one of the founders of Yes is lost to us there. And that felt really bad for the classic rock lovers, the people who love rock and roll history. I know Um, that hit you hard because of your love for Yes. And uh, the fact that through the years I've been lucky enough to spend a little time with those guys. 
And then the rest of the summer seemed kind of normal, Marcus. Nothing like this was happening. And then Gary Richrath, who had long before left REO Speedwagon. About 1990, he yeah, left the band. Uh, he passed away on September 13th, and he is the guy who provided all those tasty riffs and all those REO songs. Oh, the guitar solo, if you go back and listen to their Live at Red Rocks version of Riding the Storm Out, that's screaming guitar solo that's at him. the end. That's him. The beautiful roll with the changes. From the piano into the guitar that solo. screaming solo. Yes, it's yeah. just an amazing... He's an underrated guitar player, and I think a lot of people didn't know or really appreciate his guitar work maybe as much as they could have, but man, he was good. And then, like, two months go by, and then Alan Toussaint passes. And down in New Orleans, the second line is formed up, and one of the true greats wrote so many great songs, influenced so much, has passed away. So there's only, like, three people in, like, five months that we've lost in rock and roll and music history and then the very next day filthy phil taylor from uh, motorhead dies and it kind of like makes everybody go what again not that old he was one of the youngsters in the motorhead circuit you know but things start to happen marcus and this is something that we've talked about since we were in the middle of this maelstrom of loss for rock and roll lovers. And it started really in full force that first week of December 2015 with Scott Weiland. Do you remember where you were when you found out? I remember my phone blowing up, my internet, my messages, my emails blowing up. I think it was here somewhere in the house at the uh, Soul Kitchen Studio complex. Yeah. Somewhere in there. And you know what my reaction was? Finally. I was actually going to say the same thing. Been wondering when that uh, message was going to happen. We mm -hmm. knew at some point that was going to happen. We knew it. And I personally it was shocked that. that it didn't happen sooner because I was at one or two of those shows where the, hold on, we can't find Scott, was the emergency of the moment. And it doesn't change it. He's still one of my favorite performers mm -hmm. that words don't describe what he meant to me. I got one little STP thing I guess you could say when they did the first couple tours they played the man in Philadelphia which is an outdoor venue uh, but it's more usually you know, the orchestra plays there and a lot of jazz and stuff but they played there and they did the acoustic set in the middle and I liken that first experience there and everyone that came after it there at the man to going to church and it just felt like spiritual in a big way and music is the music i yeah. love their music see those and first two albums him are brilliant was i think inevitable but still no no yeah. less tragic i met him when he stopped by preston steve's camp out for hunger he came by to do some signings and just talk and he was amazing it was so fun to talk to him but you could see the emptiness in mm. his eyes his eyes mm. were dead at that point and it was hard to see because here you have this beautiful soul he's really a kind person who had a hard time in the music industry because he was truly an artist mm. and they were the money people and he didn't do well with that because he didn't know who to trust he didn't know you know he didn't know who was going to stab him in the back and so there was all of that uncertainty and I think that led to some of his drug addiction issues. Do you remember when that was? What year that was? I can't remember. I think it was 2011, 2012. Okay, in there. Okay, so and a few years.
years yeah. before all this went down. And like you mentioned, his live shows, if he was on, he was unbelievable. I saw them yeah. open up for the Red Hot Chili Peppers on the Californication tour. That night, STP was the way better band. They were unbelievable. I think I hit a lot of people of different uh, stripes and generations because I think most people found their way to get into a good chunk of the STP library. Yeah. And they became part of the fabric of rock, certainly in with most people I know. Now, that comes off as eventually it happened. And then, just a couple days later, on December 7th, Greg Lake from Emerson Lake and Palmer and King Crimson succumbs to cancer. And so there you are, just a couple days apart. So you're starting to feel that feeling that you had earlier in the year, like something's going on here. Mm-hmm. And then we had heard that Lemmy was in bad health, Lemmy of Motorhead. The day before Christmas. And there he goes on right around Christmas in uh, 2015. And for the metal lovers, Lemmy is God. Everything that came later in the thrash universe, anything that had more than an old school metal feel to it. And a lot of the bands that were old school metal picked up that feel, that nasty edge to them. A lot of it comes, most of it comes from Motorhead, from Lemmy. And this was a day that touched everybody that I know from my metal universe personally because we all knew him most of us had a drink with him and crazy you know it's a funny story in the early days when i first met lem we would go to the concrete foundations forum convention every year and i would see him and i was helping him where as a writer and playing the music on my show so he would buy me drinks and you fast forward to the end of the century and i'm working for his record label and then i'm buying him the drinks and i can tell you the bill got a little steep a couple times but i loved that man and he was a -a one-of-a-kind figure in rock and we lost him in december end of december in 2015 were you at his last show at the tower theater with anthrax no no. They sounded good, but he was frail, and you could feel the frailness. You knew the illness was ravaging his body at yeah. that point. But the fact that he was so fucking tough to be out there playing and pummeling the crowd still the way he did was unbelievable. Couldn't do much, but he still crushed it. It was a little slower than normal, too, but mm-hmm. it was still good. It was still Lemmy. Some of the things he powered through in his career. Oh, yeah. I think a lot of it prepared him for the final stretch there because he he had a lot of challenges that, and some of them were related to his health but also to the intake. Let's just say that. Mm-hmm. Some of the things he was taking and where he was going. And, you know, he spent a lot of time at the Rainbow. I would find him there on multiple occasions and he'd have a word and a, he'd have Jack and I'd have whatever I was having. Just one of the great figures in metal and in rock and roll history, Lemmy yeah. Kilmeister. So there we are at the end of 15 and we're feeling a little like, you know, this shit's fucked up. Yeah, it is. And then in the new year, we'll start to turn. Previous year, or was it two years before Bowie had released his album on his birthday. So there was great anticipation that such a great occurrence would happen again, right? And there was actually, I remember that talk. Do you remember that talking radio? It was so much fun talking to everybody around the station. In In the Philadelphia area where we live, Bowie is one of the absolute exalted icons in mm-hmm. rock and roll. He has and deep ties to the, the fact city. That it became the water cooler chatter that week. So, yeah. and, and there was a lot of uh, news releases as well. On the way to January 10th, we 
lost a giant in the industry, a man who started RSO Records. It stood for the Robert Stigwood Organization. Before that, Stig also had been a manager of Epic Proportions. His labels would not only produce Cream and the Bee Gees, but so many other artists and stuff. And he died on January 4th, 2016, the first death knell of the new year here on Paradise Lost on the Imbalanced History of Rock and Roll. But then we get around to January 10th. Dark days. Very dark, dark days, days, my friend. I had gotten someone to get, sent me the digital Black Star on Friday. And I was like, the whole weekend, I'm like, I got to get that stick out. I got to get it on the computer. I got to burn a disc. Got to put it in the car. And then Monday. I know. I was on the air when it happened. Me too. Well, I wasn't on when it happened. I was but on I was the air on the live next when night. It, no, I was on the air I know live at one in the morning. And it was crazy. Yeah. There's Maybe this is too hard to do because some of these things feel very personal, you know? Bowie's personal. To Bowie is such an integral part of my musical youth not just the music which was always incredible but the attitude the style that we've talked about and it's one of the few times and it would happen again a few months later where i just stood there in the middle of the room and cried like a baby Mm -hmm. because there was no other way to feel it and to later find that he had put that suit on and the day before i think it was or two days before had gone downstairs for what turned out to be his final photo i've admired this since it happened over three years ago and that is david bowie was able to almost to the day orchestrate his exit from this planet and what a great artistic achievement you want to call it that i think he wanted to die release black star on his birthday yeah i think that's what he was expecting at that point and he was only a couple days off but did um, you know he had cancer at that point or had you found out before because i think i had heard maybe the day black star came out that he had been battling cancer something was up and people said stuff but i read about when they were doing the studio sessions for black star the musicians were relatively new to him they didn't know him that well so when he showed up at the sessions the only person who knew was tony so when he showed up at the sessions without eyebrows and wearing like a, a hat that you know with because he had no hair on his mm-hmm. head they didn't think it that unusual of david bowie and they weren't going to say anything or ask about it and uh, they continued to work while he was he was losing the fight and as recently as weeks before he passed yeah. and it to me it all when once i put the timeline together in my head it, it really made me realize that it was his last artistic hurrah to go out like in style oh yeah the suit the picture with the suit sealed it for me i went about a week later, Dale Buffin Griffin, drummer of Mata Hoople, passes away. And then the next day is what I would say is the, the the complete unbelievable shocker to everyone. I couldn't believe it. I think it was a daytime we found out. I think yeah. it was it was like late morning, early afternoon, yeah. and everybody was like, what? Yeah, there was what? a lot of that. What? 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 Well, here's what, here's what I know. I knew he had been sick and had been in the hospital back in November, but no one knew the infection that he was fighting had continued to be aggressive and, grow, and a problem, right? And so uh, j- the day after Griffin, on January 18th, he passes away at age 67 again. Him and Griffin both too young, mm-hmm. even in rock and roll's uh, you know adjusted time frame for mm-hmm. aging. A shocker, and it's too bad because he was still playing really well. He was still exciting crowds. 
people were really enjoying the music of the Eagles much more now than they had even for a long time. But they were really enjoying the Eagles. And fortunately, they've been able to find a way with his son Dalton in that role. Yeah. And looks a little yeah. bit like Dad, sounds yeah. a little bit like Dad. There's, there's, it, that's not hard to believe. That's and, true. And he's doing really well from what I hear. Me too. I have not seen them, but I do want to see them, even though I'm not with Glenn Fry, but I would still love to see them with Dalton. Five days later, Jimmy Bain passes away. He'd been in uh, Rainbow and uh, Dio, played in some of the bands that uh, when the guys would get together after Ronnie passed away, like the band Last in Line, he did a lot of that. He passes away on January 23rd, and you're starting to think, like, what's going on here? Now, it's not like the biggest rock star, but you're seeing a picture. A guy with a lot of ties to the Philadelphia area, T.J. Tyndall, passes away on January 26th. He was a member of the MFSB, which we talked about in our R&B of the 70s episode. And a very important part of music history. And then a couple nights later, I'm on the air at MGK, and I'm getting word that Paul Kantner, who was a founding member of the Jefferson Airplane and Starship, had passed away while getting ready to perform. And knowing that Blue Oyster Cult was opening for the airplane on these shows, I actually reached out to Eric Bloom from Blue Oyster Cult, and he came on the air with me so we could talk about the loss of Paul Kantner and what the atmosphere was like there at the gig that night. I can't even imagine getting that kind of uh, vibe right there as it's happening because I don't know. I, it's The fact that you were able to make that happen is pretty incredible. As one of the founders of the airplane, you know, he helped to pilot the whole thing and and really, even though there were other players like Yorma Kalkinen involved who might have been technically more proficient, it was Cantor's feel working with the other guys, working with Yorma, working with Jack on the bass, and that amazing songwriting configuration where they could all work together and come up with some of these amazing songs that they did. So we're already having a pretty heavy-duty January as far as losing great people, but that same day, somebody else left this planet. And it's even crazier because that person that left the planet was in the exact same band as the person who died earlier that day. Same day. Signe Tolly Anderson. Yeah, well, Signe was the original singer of the airplane, and she left when she got pregnant. Yep. And uh, it's so weird that they should both leave on the same day. That's crazy. Two founders. And it's been a hell of a January in 2016, don't you think, Marcus? I think it has been a pretty sad January, a very hard January. Well, things slowed down a little bit in February, Marcus. Uh, February 3rd, not that far after the loss of uh, Anderson and Kantner, Maurice White from Earth, Wind & Fire dies February 3rd at age 74. I remember listening to Earth, Wind & Fire as a little kid, and I was so saddened by this loss because yeah. they were such a great band. The things that they still did. Are. I mean, yes, they still are, but in their prime, they were doing things like nobody's business. True. The harmonies, the music, they played their own instruments, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, the horns are legendary. Yep. Any rock and roll band that has a good horn section is that much better because they have a good horn section. And it's hard to do horns right, but if you do them right, you do them right. Think about how many people sing September. Everyone. Okay. Yeah. And then you have like, uh, in the, the what is it, in this groove? Um, let's groove tonight. Let's groove. I'm trying to think of all the great You're songs that too there hard. are, and I'm trying way <laughs> too hard, and I need to just breathe. But he would be the only major loss in the month of February after what happened in December and January, mm -hmm. and, and then it would be a little bit of a break before we would lose another icon in the music world. So let's take a break here on the Imbalanced History of Rock and Roll. We're talking about Paradise Lost. You want to find Paradise Found, you go to Crooked Eye in the heart of Hatboro. Well, Marcus, we can't do this podcast without the help of our good friends at Crooked Eye Brewing, located at 13 East Montgomery Avenue in Hapro, Pennsylvania. 
Yes, they've got the stuff, man. I'm telling you, the board has been full, and it's really good stuff. A lot of new things, and all your favorites right there at Crooked Eye. Meet Paul and Paul, the brothers-in-law who started Crooked Eye by brewing at home. You get to meet the Crooked Eye crew. Yeah. And they make it fun every night. I really like the staff there. And while you're there, you're going to meet new people, which means you're going to make new friends. That's right. Now, last week I went with two friends of mine who are home brewers, and they met Chief Brewer Jeff Mulherin, who's all excited about what he's been doing to fill the board there at Crooked Eye, always full lately. And he's got a home brewers club that I didn't even know about that meets regularly. So find out about that and all the fun activities at Crooked Eye by going to crookedeyebrewery.com, and uh, you'll see Jeff when you stop by. Great brews, great people, and fun times guaranteed. Next time you want a true craft brewery experience, Stop by for a pint and make it Crooked Eye. Serving nightly in the heart of Hapro, Crooked Eye has the cure for what ails you since 2014, and we thank them for their support here on the podcast. Yes, we do. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house, and my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com pantheon. Buyraycon.com pantheon. It's episode 31 of the Imbalanced History of Rock and Roll. We're calling it Paradise Lost. And one of the parts of the equation, Marcus, is when someone is getting up there and their health fails and we lose them. And that's what happened in early March of 2016, the year we're talking about, with Sir George Martin, producer of the Beatles, and so much more passing away. And then going over to... The prog rock scene, you have Keith Emerson who passed away. Sad story. He found out that he had the same thing that Robin Williams had. Oh. And he he was really getting, from what I heard from friends, was he had gotten very, I don't know if it was depressed, but just really down about the fact that he wasn't able to do what he's known for doing and chose to end it 
versus going down slow. And uh, still sad to have lost Greg Lake earlier in this episode, and then you lose Keith Emerson by his own hand and uh, at age 71. I did not realize that he had the same thing that Robin Williams had. And I don't know if people realize this, but if you look musicians' passings, a lot of them are by the hand of suicide. A lot of them. Well, that's a whole nother topic for another discussion because you know, there's Absolutely. so many happy artists, but there are some who are depressed and make beautiful music because of it. Yeah. I don't think that was the, the case with Emerson. I think he was just upset about his, his failing health and that he couldn't do what he used to do. And A lot of pride there. Yeah. A lot I, of pride, absolutely. So the rest of March is kind of quiet, but on April 6th, on his 79th birthday, we lose country legend Merle Haggard. My dad loved him. Oh, man, how can you not love Merle Haggard? He's American as spit, yeah. man. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you lose him, and then a couple weeks later, the tragedy occurs at his... Another shocker. Uh, this was really surprising. We lose Prince uh, at age 57, April 21st. There's an emergency call to come to his complex, his, his mansion, and he had been found. Uh, they don't know how long he was out, but they found him in an elevator in the complex, and... Uh, he was done. It was over. There was no bringing him back. They had brought him back weeks before they made an emergency landing somewhere. And at the time it happened, they were saying that it was emergency and drug related. And what we found out afterwards was that he was in really bad pain and was taking uh, Percocets or whatever opioid he was taking to try to control the pain, similar to what would happen later to Tom Petty. And it didn't work. And so the end result for him was he left way too too early at age 57. And April wasn't done yet either. We've talked about Billy Paul. Me and Mrs. Jones. That song has been uh, mentioned a couple times on the podcast. Been he in tons of movies, tons yeah. of tons. movies, and he he passes away on April twenty fourth at age eighty one. Uh, good age, but still, you know. A few weeks later, Guy Clark, country legend, dies at age seventy four, and just a few days after that, Nick Menza from Megadeth dies. Um, yeah, a real shocker at age 51. I believe that was uh, his heart, heart-related. Just another guy that you know, that you worked with, and that you worked alongside with, and he's way too young. It's heartbreaking to see that happened to Nick. I worked with Megadeth when I was at the record label. I did one album with them, but I have two Platinums on the wall here at the Soul Kitchen Studios that are for a couple of their records where I got close to all those guys. That's awesome. 51, though, man. That just kicked me right in the ass. Yeah. And then uh, June starts with the passing at age 75 of Dave Swarbrick from Fairport Convention. So you're starting now, you're starting to say, okay, not everybody's like Bowie and Glenn Fry, but every week it seemed like somebody was passing away. And it continues in June with Henry McCulloch from the Wings, the original Wings band, Bernie Worrell. Parliament uh, Funkadelic, this guy is a, one of the big guns in funk. He is such an influence in funk, and you even hear his influence in rock and roll because of the way he was. He was amazing. Yeah, June 24th at age 72. Again, not that old in the uh, current pantheon of rock and roll, but it really was like, okay, so we're just taking one kick to the nuts after the other. And then a few days later, Rob Wasserman, who worked with Weir in uh, Rat Dog, only 64 years old. And uh, then there's a little break there in July, and then at the end of July, Sandy Perlman, who was a manager, part Svengali for Blue Oyster Call, dies at age 72. 
And then again, finally, a, like a break, I guess you'd say. Yeah. There's nobody who passes away for a few weeks until Matt Roberts from Three Doors Down. I remember that drug overdose. I might have even actually been on the air when that came out. He had had some problems with drugs over the years. Again, with the potency of opioids, you can't fuck around at all. Man. No, you there's no, there is zero margin around. for error. I, I used to work for J&J in a unit that made the drugs with the fentanyl. And you would take a little bit of powder that was a few grams and it would make a whole giant tub of the stuff. It's yeah. no, there's it's no joke. Did you wear gloves and stuff? And oh, body I never armor? touched the stuff. I never got anywhere near it. The guy had gloves. He had yeah. um, a breathing mask. Everything yeah. you can inhale one grain of that stuff. Yeah. So, it's, but it's bad, yeah. and we we know this, and we're working on. It. I actually think as a country, uh, U.S. is working on it. I don't know how it's going in other parts of the world, but legalized cannabis it drops opioid deaths. Well. Death took a holiday, I guess, there for a few months in 2016. It had been quite a run, uh, starting with the end of 2015. November 10th, the great Leonard Cohen passes away at age 82. And little did we know, because 82, he'd been around a long time and yeah. he lived healthily. And just yeah. you start to go, okay, you know, that's kind of like the normal thing. Every month and a half, somebody might pass away. And then it happens again. Leon Russell, November 13th at age 74, his place in uh, Tennessee. The great Mose Allison, two days later at age 89 at his home in South Carolina. And then someone you don't really know much about, but I can tell you, Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings, that's a hot band. You go listen to the, some of their records. She passes away from pancreatic cancer just two days, three days after that. I heard him on XPN. That's how I heard about Sharon Jones and her band. And then, you know, not to be, uh, not to be, be outdone by 2015, 2016, takes uh, Electra Records founder Bob Krasno on December 11th at age 82. And then just in case you didn't have enough on your plate, <laughs> George Michael dies at age 53 on Christmas in 2016. It was almost like, like death gave us all the middle finger there at the end of the year. And by the way, I'm going to take George Michael on Christmas Day too. And I'll tell you what, that was another shock. I was not expecting him. Well, we didn't know. You know, he had his drug issues yeah, and he had been... Well, we know that. But I the mean, thing is... But the we th party drugs is what you thought. But the thing was that we knew he, because it was well publicized that he had gotten himself clean and was doing okay. The problem was the damage that was already done. Yeah. And while heroin will kill you on the spot, the thing is about those party drugs you're talking about is they will kill you slowly and in the long term, no matter what. I Your think it's shut down. Yeah, that's and it was that kind of a thing. I don't know what exactly it was. I think it was heart related. Yeah. But the thing is, George Michael at age 53, nobody thought he was done artistically or uh, touring or any of that. And it's just another example of just a sad year, like death giving us the bird at the end of a sad year of loss of icons in all different genres of music. About George Michael, do you remember when, before he got big, when they were that wham rap pop band? Yeah, And they kinda. did the really cheesy stuff in the 80s? I have that on vinyl, because that's you how do? I first heard about them before they got big. Also, Go West was just exactly in that vein as well. But Whoa! Oh, I saw it happening, but uh, you are right. Yeah, I'm right. With the party drugs, getting back to the party drugs before all the chaos in the studio happened... <laughs> I'm seeing, seriously, I have kids that I grew up with that 
in their 20s and 30s were doing heroin and a lot of pills and they are slowly dying in their 50s and the damage of it is pretty hardcore but what I was going to say about George Michael is I think if he would have stayed healthy and clean I think he would be doing what Adam Lambert is doing with Queen because good point point. he had an incredible voice with huge range nothing like Freddie Mercury's no but there was talks of him possibly doing some stuff with the guys but I think his drug issues kept them away We'll have to dig into that for another episode here on the imbalanced history of rock and roll. Guess what, Marcus? 2016 just wouldn't let go. The month of January, it continued a little bit. Butch Trucks took his life after facing financial uncertainty at the hands of the IRS. Decided it wasn't worth it and took his life. And that was January 24th at age 69. And then uh, just a a week later... John Wetton, who was in Roxy Music in Asia, and Uriah, he played with King Crimson. And, uh, January 31st died at age 67. And that kind of is where this episode ends. The paradise continues to be lost. But this stretch of loss for rock and roll, for music, for the arts is just like, wow. And I think it goes back to what you said at the beginning of the episode. This is the way things are going over the next five to ten years. And I think we have to be emotionally prepared as lovers of music and artists to uh, deal with it. It's a reality. There's a great article called The Coming Death of Just About Every Rock Legend by Damon Linker. I think I saw that. We'll post it on our uh, Imbalanced History of Rock and Roll Facebook page and we'll tweet out the uh, link. But if you are as passionate about rock and roll as we are and you love as many of the uh, legends as we do, I recommend you read this because this is a reality we all have to face. I also recommend that... Uh, if you haven't seen someone and you think you really need to go see them while you can where you can even if you have to make some extra effort and travel a little bit there's people who are out there that are thinking that way and all I'm going to tell you is follow that instinct and go as much as you can because we can't all do it all the time but go as much as you can and you'll be happy that you did in the short and long run absolutely the memories that you'll hold on to from those experiences will be far greater than any possession well it's been one of the heaviest episodes Uh, i had a couple tough moments in here pal but um it is episode 31 paradise lost on the imbalanced history of rock and roll we learned some things but we also realized i don't know about you but i realized take it and you pull it all out of the drawer and you put it on the desk and look at it the pile's pretty deep and the loss piled up absolutely and when we first started looking at this episode i didn't expect there to be as many names as we talked about and then it's like oh yeah oh yeah oh yeah oh my gosh oh yeah well we were focused on really on the whole wyland lemmy bowie Bowie, glenn fry thing all and and well yeah so we were looking at that first four those and then what everything that happened afterward as we started looking so tidal wave it's all about really learning of what's going on in the history of rock and roll and this is more recent history for sure if you've got some feedback maybe we forgot somebody i always hate it when they forget somebody on the in memoriam so feel free to reach out to us you can email us at imbalancehistory at gmail.com or you can hit us up on facebook 
Facebook. It's The Imbalanced History of Rock and Roll. Twitter, we're on Twitter more now, I think, than we have been. And you can also find our distributor, uh, Pantheon Podcasts, at Pantheon Pods on Twitter as well. You can follow them and you can follow us, which is at Imbalance Histo. Don't That's do it. it. Don't do it. Do it. Don't bitch about there being no bitch RY. <laughs> Come on, give us the RY. We- it's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.